0: Just it. start her off. Okay, guys.
1: <clears throat>
0: I know I'm short, but if I sit down, is, you'd rather really have me stand up? I can do it either way. It doesn't make a difference. <laughs> Mike, seriously, would you lead us off in prayer? We really need it, okay?
2: <clears throat> Amazing how often that comes up, doesn't it?
0: Amen. Thank you. Actually, I breathe better standing up, but <clears throat> this is not good. It's getting worse as it goes along. So, uh, <clears throat> the topic is investing in your wife. Uh, I hope you're all in the right place. <clears throat> oh, Life, straight man. That's good. Many of you know that I'm in the insurance business, and uh, so I like, to <clears throat> I like to draw financial analogies.
1: <laughs>
0: this is why I say don't share this with your wife right away. Run this thing by yourselves a couple times. But there is a basic law of compound interest <clears throat> that if we've got $2,000 of principal and we put it to work, 2000 a year being invested every year, putting it to work at 8%, that at age 65, we'll have a certain amount accumulated, right? Right. So, starting at age 24, who's 24 in this room? Who's close to 24? Give me a break. Right. All right. If we took, wait, what's your name? Tom. Tom, Tom if you took 2000 a year, and for 41 years, and you made 8% on your money, And only Don can do that for you, because I can't, I'm in the insurance business. Uh, But if you can make 8% net, how much would you have accumulated at 65? How much, TJ? I said
1: 432,264.
0: dollars. What school did you go to? That makes sense. You're right, six hundred thirty-two thousand. I don't know. They must be changing the curriculum up there.
1: No, I <laughs> it's all those
0: televangelist influence on them. I cheated.
1: I was in this yesterday too. Remember?
0: <laughs> Is there a special lady in your life?
1: Yeah, get married
0: at three months. You better get this right, because <laughs> only obviously I didn't do a very good job yesterday on this. 35-year-old. Uh, Who's 35? Jack, give me a break. Randy, are you 35 really?
1: All
0: right, how much money will you have, Randy? You've got lesser time, obviously, 30 years. How much money would you have? <clears throat> <No idea. laughs> P and C, man. 350. Well, uh, 350. You guys are good. 248,000, that's close.
1: We're going to come back
0: to that point. (laughs) (laughs) Who's forty-seven? And admit it, Bob. Same deal. (laughs) (laughs) Eighteen years. You've got eighteen years to put in at two thousand a year, and Don's going to get you at least eight percent. I shouldn't pick on Don.
1: (laughs) Charlie (laughs) can do
3: better.
0: How much? I don't mean to put you on the spot, but just give me a figure. That's a great guess. 80,000
1: bucks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You slept with me last night, and Lionel left me a check on my my chest of drawers this morning. I don't know what's going on here. Cut this tape out of here. (laughs) You should always do the first workshop, not the second. The point is, guys, there are some principles that, in investing money that uh, no secrets taking a little bit of the foundation the basics over a period of time at an assumed rate of interest you can accumulate a lot of money <clears throat> what i'd like to do is draw some analogies as weak as they may be perhaps weaker than my voice of investing in our wives and can we can we by the grace of god influence the richness the amount we have invested with our wives. <clears throat> now, her her being a CPA would tell you that this only works if you put the money in at regular intervals and if you start taking money out like some of us have had to do. You listened to George's testimony a while ago. I'm sure you had a qualified plan in place, George. Did you have to take any money out of it? So it's history, right? <laughs> it's history. Mine was. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, but but if you'll do that, that'll work. Enough of that for right now. Let's let's look at your outline. And I I want to briefly review with you God's foundation for marriage. George. Find somebody that's got one and sit next to them. Callahan did not make enough. You can keep that on the tape, too. But, But... you know, I'm convinced, and you've been through this before, but let's go back to Genesis, and somebody with some strong voices read for me. Second chapter of Genesis. Now, let's just review God's foundation for marriage. <coughs> Again, the fact that I'm standing up here, this is not a lecture, this is, should be give and take, guys, please. The, the first group was really gracious at that. In fact, uh, one guy took my notes and ran with it for a while, and that worked really well. So... <coughs>
3: God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him.
0: Okay. God recognized that it was not good for man to be alone. As the Apostle Paul so aptly described it, you know, if you're going to burn in your desire, you better take a wife. And I, I would guess if we took a poll in this room, a high percentage of us would agree that it's probably good not to be alone, right? Yeah, <clears throat> he knew that we needed to help. It was interesting because the, the, the passage prior to that <clears throat> uh, wasn't too far prior to that. Let me look here. Oh, he'd already made the uh, birds and the, the animals and stuff. And it was interesting that God felt that uh, none of them were really suitable to be a helpmate to man. And so he made woman. Uh, Jump on down to verse 24. Somebody read that. <clears throat> Anybody?
2: For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they become one flesh.
0: Okay. Mine says, A man shall leave his father and his mother. Here's a real important. Important principle here, and it's an authority issue. Bless you. When you <clears throat> when you decide to marry, uh, there is a transfer of authority that takes place, uh, and both we as parents of adult children, and then those of us who are, are younger and, and uh, in our marriages, uh, I see so many times today that that parental influence has never been severed. That parental authority, that line of authority has never been severed. And it creates all kinds of problems. I'm sure several of you guys in here could uh, give some practical examples of that. But it's critical that a man leave his father and mother, and my translation says, cleave to his wife. So parents don't meddle, don't interfere, even though your heart breaks and you see them making mistakes uh, they've got to stand as a family unit at that point. Uh, and I can, I can see it in my own families where that wasn't done, and those marriages aren't in place today. You know, Mom and Dad, well-intentioned. Uh, that, that line of authority was never severed. Uh, <clears throat> speak up on, on any comments you want to make on that, but... Otherwise, we'll move right along because I really want to spend some time. If you'll notice on the outline, and, and I failed to mention this, there's, there's three main points. We've got God's foundation for the marriage. Roman numeral two is in what areas do we invest. And then number three is what does it look like. And that's really the wheels. That's the application of it. And I'd like for us to spend the bulk of our time, uh, although I don't have a clue as to how much time we have, Jack. <clears throat> you okay. <laughs> Uh, I want to spend the bulk of our time on that application because I think so often we get this foundation and you hear that but you don't get into the practical what can we be doing stuff. So, The second part of verse 24 and shall cleave to his wife and the Hebrew word for that is dabak and it means to cling or adhere follow close figuratively speaking to catch by pursuit Fast together, hard after, be joined, pursue hard. And I really want us to focus on that last definition of pursue hard because that really connotates action on our part. I'm going to suggest to you guys that after the marriage vows, then the real task begins. And you have got to pursue hard. You have got to invest in that relationship, uh, otherwise uh, you're probably not going to have a chance, uh, and it is our role to do that, <clears throat> somebody flip over to Ephesians 5:25 sure. through 29 and read that for us, I want to talk about our role, <clears throat> just briefly.
3: Yeah, that he you might do. thanksify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might receive to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. <coughs> so husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church.
0: Who in here has a teenage son, 18, 19 years of age? Dave, I was thinking about you. He's, he's not here, is he? I mean, he's in another workshop. Good. How would you, where's the microphone? How would you explain to him Ephesians 25 through
1: 29?
0: This is real important, guys. <clears throat> Layman's terms, how are you going to explain to him? That's Chuck's problem. Keep talking.
3: Yeah. No, I uh, when I look at that, see that I, I see it in a very sacrificial way. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that I live up to it, I must admit, but it is a challenge uh, from the standpoint of sacrificing your, your wants and your needs for the other person.
0: Okay. Yeah. It, and it is interesting that God says in an earlier verse, wives, <clears throat> submit to your husbands. But then it says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave up his life. I mean, you talk about sacrifice, that's the ultimate. We all know we love our own flesh. And and scripture tells us that. Are you willing to give up your life for your wife? And I'm going to submit to you that that's our role. And flip back real quick to the second chapter of Genesis where we started... As I was studying this, something just came to light for me on this about our role. <clears throat> remember Harry Truman? He's was before my time, but, but I remember the, the slogan. He had a little desk plaque, the buck stops here. I believe that God views us, each one of us, that we carry around that little plaque, that in our relationship with our wife, the buck stops here with us. Look at Verses sixteen and seventeen, second chapter, somebody read that. <coughs> and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, And when you eat of it, you will surely die. Yeah. He said, Everything else is fair game, but this one point. And isn't it interesting? that he gave that instruction to the man before what? Before he he said, you need a helpmate. I mean, guys, the buck stopped here before a woman was around. And it continues on. And I know that culturally in our society, now it's a 50-50 deal, and that the women's movement would have fits over this thing. But I could give a rip less because I'm going to be the one standing in the hot seat come judgment day. And you need to realize that. God is going to hold you accountable. Not our wives. Oh yeah, they're going to have a judgment too. But it ain't going to be anything close to what we're going to go through. I want you to understand the awesome role you hold in this relationship. I mean, we are the linchpin in this thing. We're the ones that God's going to come to. When Eve ate the forbidden fruit, all of a sudden they recognized their nakedness. What did they put on the fig leaves? When God came to them, did he say, Eve? He didn't call for Eve. Who did he call for? Adam. And what did Adam say? Yeah, it was a woman.
1: <laughs>
0: and God said, "Huh." You know, Perry Mason said, checkmate. You're done, buddy. So, <clears throat> and here's something else interesting in the foundation of this marriage. Look at Ecclesiastes. And for those of you not familiar with your Bible, it's just to the right of Psalms. Ecclesiastes 9:9 9, 9. Somebody somebody read that Ecclesiastes 9:9 9, 9. Solomon and all his wisdom Okay. enjoy life with the woman who God gave you all the days of your fleeting life somebody have a different translation on that fleeting
1: Meaning.
0: meaningless. meaningless yeah you got to study Ecclesiastes to put that in context but basically Sol- Solomon concluded that everything everything apart from God was meaningless and he had it all <clears throat> And what does he go on to say? He says that this woman is your reward in life. Now, guys, we've heard a lot of teaching on eternal rewards. But how much teaching have you heard about rewards in this life? Have you heard any teaching about promised rewards from God in this life? Two places, TJ, that I've heard it. One is honor your parents uh, that you may live long. So I and prosper. That's Ephesians? It's Ephesians 6 or somewhere around there. And the second place that I found any kind of temporal reward is right here in Ecclesiastes. This is our reward. And as somebody so aptly put it yesterday in the workshop, <coughs> you've got to develop the mindset that no matter what the circumstances look like, this is it. You've got to stick with it. It doesn't get any better than this. The moment you start thinking, oh, God, you made a mistake. There's got to be a better option out there for me. you got real problems, real problems in your marriage, which brings us to Roman numeral two. In what areas do we invest? And I'm going to submit to you that these next four points are the principle. They're the basic principle that we're investing every year. These aren't negotiable, these next four. Roman numeral three. Yeah, these are personal applications, but but for Roman numeral two, you got to hang tough in these areas. I could be wrong. Uh, Challenge me, you know, whatever. That's just what we're here for. Point A, you got to have a commitment to this marriage. You know, no retreat. Couple of, three scripture references. First Corinthians 7, 10, and 11. Somebody read that. Uh, Who's got the microphone? Where's it close to? Let's help Chuck out her. He's like a one-armed paper hanger back there. Oh,
3: okay. <laughs> uh, oh, you
0: haven't? Well, we'll just run without you. Somebody take 1 Corinthians 7, 10, and 11.
3: To the married I give the man, not I, but the Lord. A wife must, must not separate from her husband. But if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And a husband must not divorce his wife. Yeah.
0: Somebody else have another translation of that last sentence? Should not send her away, should not divorce your wife. What's the instruction to the husband there? Yeah. Got to. Right? That's part of the commitment. Second scripture, and this is not exhaustive. I mean, you can look in your concordance and probably find 20 more verses. But I just wanted to give you a flavor of what God says about this relationship. Matthew five thirty three, and it follows a discussion on divorce. But I really want to focus on verse thirty three. Would you read that, Mark? Have you got it? Or? No, I want to hit
3: on
1: Malachi.
0: Oh, okay. We'll get you on Malachi. Who's got Matthew five thirty three? Glenn.
3: Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, "Do not break your oath. but keep the oath you have made to the Lord."
0: Yeah. You no, know, guys, we take this beautiful woman. Our juices are flowing, you know. I mean, everything about her just uh, brings us alive. And we stand up in front of all these witnesses, an ordained minister, <clears throat> all of our friends, in front of God, in God's house, and we make these vows. And what do we say? Till death do us part, unless it's a contemporary ma- marriage. And what do they say? As long as this works out, I'm going to love you, dear. What kind of commitment does that show a woman? It's going on out there. But when you stand up in front of witnesses, this is saying, let your yes be yes. And she needs to know that. Mark, Malachi. I
4: hate the voice of the Lord God of Israel, and I hate a man covering himself with violence as well as with his garment, says the Lord Almighty. So guard yourself and your spirit and do not break faith.
0: Mm -hmm. How would you translate that to somebody who's contemplating divorce? This is a tough one. Anybody? God hates divorce. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Tom. He hates it. You know? We need to communicate this to our wives. And not just by our actions. I'm convinced... We need to say to them, look them in the eye, sit down with them and say, sweetheart, you need to know that we're going to have tough times and we're going to argue and there are going to be times when we don't disagree and there are going to be times when you feel like killing me and that's fine, that's perfectly normal. But never, ever will we consider divorce. Now, does that mean you'll never get divorced? I don't know. I don't know. But I think you've got to start there and you've got to drive that stake down and say, this is not an option. And then I encourage you to take it a step further and communicate communicate it to your kids. This has been going on with my wife and I long enough now that I can observe her, I can hear her telling my daughter and my, my sons, you know, in conversation it comes up, your dad and I just feel like divorce is not an option. We agreed a long time ago. The security that that gives her in a relationship—does that mean that I won't go off the deep end someday? I hope not, but there's no guarantees. But but you got to have that conviction. It's got to start somewhere, and you got to verbalize it. Questions, comments?
3: Yeah. An um, why, my children are seeing too many kids in school who are going through divorce, and see the impact on those kids' lives. And those God kids are lost. They don't have an anchor yeah. on you because mom and dad are off doing their own thing. It drives them absolutely nuts. trying to on dad. the weekend,
0: well, which dad which dad am I spending yeah. this weekend with or which mom? Great point, Ken. And our kids need that assurance, particularly if you got younger kids. Mine are a little older and they've seen my wife and I together long enough. But if you've got younger kids, in fact, a friend of mine recently shared with me, uh, they were sitting at the breakfast table and the little girl said, Daddy, when are you and mommy gonna get a divorce? And I mean just floored him. Just floored him. He said, Well, where on earth did you come up with that? And he said, Well, all of my friends, you know, they're in that situation. We really, really we can't we can't verbalize this enough. And yes, our actions have to back it up, but I think it's really critical that we verbalize it.
3: One other example, um, I have a friend at work who's a single parent. And she asked her son for at christmas time what he wanted for christmas and he said i want my mom and i want you to be married to my dad again mm-hmm.
0: breaks your heart doesn't it?
3: there are lots of times when i think i've narrowed the down uh, don't deceive yourself as far as a young age my daughter's fifteen and she comes home and deals with those kinds of issues well, the marriages are breaking up after 20 years, mm-hmm. and, and these kids are caught in the middle. And they're still <clears throat> as far where they're going. So uh, be careful of all the ages.
0: Yeah. Remember I said earlier, pursue hard? That's present tense, and it's ongoing. we we got to continue in that. got to continue to invest in it. Another comment? Yeah. Okay, Mark.
4: Uh, Lord's been working on me on that principle, the buck stops here. Mm-hmm. And this, uh, these things we just went through with in uh, part A, I can take them back into this Ephesians where it says, uh, you know, look, this is just the way Christ has a relationship with us. He says, you know, that's all I'm asking out of you, Mark, is that you treat your wife like I treat you with the same commitment.
1: Mm-hmm. And so when I'm having
4: problems in marriage, I go back and think about that. And I know Christ is saying, well, you know, Here's what I have to work with. And look at all the crap I'm putting up with. <laughs> but I'm committed to you. Yeah. And so, you know, we go forward.
0: Amen. Yeah. Good point. Item number B. we got to move along, guys. Or we'll, <clears throat> we're going to miss the fun part. Uh, the fireworks. Uh, second principle, ministry begins at home. Uh, you don't have to look up that scripture reference. I gave it to you for later. But that's just, that's the Great Commission. Okay. Uh, we all know what the Great Commission is. I assume maybe we don't. What is it, Tom? You've memorized it.
3: Go, there, go therefore and make...
0: The microphone, man. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing
2: them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age.
0: That's a loose translation. NIV, it's not, it's be... not their correct translation. It's not the authorized version. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Guys, I, I can't tell you, and I'm guilty in my own life. Um, our role as a believer is E-squared. And many of you guys have heard that, and you embrace that. Evangelize and edify. But somehow we get it out of focus, and we're going out, and we're grabbing these lost guys in business by the truckloads because they're out there, and we're discipling them. You've got three or four of them bouncing at a time. And in the meantime, your family's starving. And you really got to start that ministry. That begins at home with your wife and then your kids. Uh, <clears throat> and let me caution you on how you proceed with it. you got to be real sensitive, and I know it's tough for some of us to, to really be sensitive on that, but don't jam it down their throat. My wife had been a Christian six years when I came to Christ, and I was so pumped up when I was in Operation Timothy, and I said, sweetheart, you've got to go through this Operation Timothy. And I can remember setting her down and criticizing her answers. Uh, we got about through two units of that, and our marriage was, uh, wasn't was on the rocks, but it was headed that way. She said, time out. She says, I, I'm not going to put up with this. I said, what do you mean? <clears throat> you really, you really have to be sensitive to that whole issue. Um, let me make a, just a, a parenthetical comment here. We can come back to it later when it comes to evangelizing and edifying your family, particularly your wife, don't fall into the quality is okay mindset. You got to have quantity with them. It takes lots of time with them. And given lots of time, God will provide those opportunities for evangelism, for edification. But don't don't buy into the world's view of, well, I spend quality time with them. That's BS. It don't happen that way. Yes, sir. Uh, Now, this is my personal convictions. Challenge me anytime you want here. The point that you make
2: is is valid, uh, whether we're talking about our wife or our kids or or anybody else. And that is, uh, as you sat down and did the Timothy. The relationship became secondary to the to the mission.
0: I'm you know, task oriented, yeah.
2: Yeah, and you know, if we want to teach our wife something, it, it has to be in the context of the relationship. The same way with our kids, our coworkers, whoever we're trying to evangelize, the relationship is all important, as it is with Christ, and only then can we learn.
0: Mm-hmm. Thanks for expressing what I couldn't. That well put, Mark. The question: we had on chapter three, Mark? What? What'd you do on chapter three? We never finished that. <laughs> I'm slow, but no, we we did we never finished Operation Timothy. No, we moved on to something else. <clears throat>
1: so.
0: Now she's taking other women through Operation Timothy, so I assume she knows what she's doing. But it... <laughs> no, that would me. That's a trip she's not making with me. <laughs> so, item number C: Honor your wife. <clears throat> Somebody read First Peter three seven. <clears throat> what, what is our timetable we're gonna be bad we're, we're short we ain't going to make it
3: you husbands likewise live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker vessel since she is a woman and grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be
0: hindered two points I want to make here quickly uh, one is that there 's a myth out there that Christianity <clears throat> is oppressive to women, that they are to submit to us, and that scripture there <clears throat> defines the fact that we're on an equal plane that we are all in in God's eyes, man and woman are on an equal plane now, on the authority structure, yeah, the buck stops with us, but when he sees us, we're equal in terms of his love, uh, what he wants to do for us, and how he values us, therefore. She needs to know that. You know, it's not an oppressive relationship. I am not better than my wife, even though I can probably beat her at arm wrestling on a good day. Uh, I am, you know, it's not a superior, or inferior relationship, <clears throat> number one. Backed. Backed, exactly. Exactly. And that's where we are get into the practical application. We'll talk about that. Uh, the second point is treat her as a weaker vessel and again if I can make a crude analogy (coughs) Uh, in our kitchen we have a number eight or a number ten wrought iron skillet you know those things that you can cook on you don't have to clean them too much because it kind of hides all the grease that's me okay that's kind of how I operate on the other hand in our kitchen we've got some fine china that was passed down from Cheryl's mother and I view her as that weaker vessels that more sensitive vessel much more beautiful to look at uh, Certainly uh, uh, has uh, fills a role that I can never fill. Uh, and, and we need to recognize that about our wives, that they are so complementary to what we do. By and large, we just kind of bowl ahead, uh, task-oriented. I know I'm speaking in generalizations here, but I think that, that Peter had that in, on his heart when he was writing there. God laid it on his heart that you got to really be sensitive to these women, uh, to... to uh, to what their needs are, and to treat them, you know, our mouths, we can cut them down so quickly. Uh, so honor them. Really lift them up. Let them, they need that. They're not getting it. They are not getting it anyplace else, or at least from the wrong places. Uh, they need to get it from us. Item number D. <clears throat> Here's where we may start rubbing some people. Provision. 1 Timothy 5.8. Who's got that?
4: If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever.
0: Gentlemen, I know, <clears throat> and you know, that we don't work to earn a living. But that God does provide for us. And as I understand that verse, that we need to do whatever it takes to make provisions for our family. Our wives have such a need for security. As I was sitting down talking to Cheryl about what are the things that women really look for in a relationship? Security was way up on that list. And I got to tell you, I put my wife in some postures that uh, of no security, (laughs) you know. I don't mind putting the bank in that position, but you don't want to put your wife in that position. (laughs) Yeah, well, they know. they need that. And I, I really get irritated with a man who says, hey, I am not going to take that job because I'm overqualified. And I'm thinking, get your butt out there and go to work at the 7-Eleven, pump gas, whatever it takes, but you've got to bring something home for them. They've got to have some basic provisions here. That's your role. You've got to do that. You know, we're in a recession. As soon as the recession's over, I'll find a job, but we're just going to ride this out. Uh-uh. No. I realize, I realize, the other side of that issue is you may be living well above, you may be presuming upon God's provision, and you need to evaluate your lifestyle, but they have a right to know that there's a place to call home. You don't have to own it, but they need a right, you know, for some shelter, for some food. Uh, They don't need creditors calling the house, you know. And I know that's going to rub some people the wrong way, because I I know where we are in our society, all of us. So, (coughs) TJ.
1: Providing for your wife, um, can that be stretched to uh,
2: providing emotionally as well?
0: Exactly, exactly. Yeah, the financial is the one part I wanted to hit first, but you're right. The emotional needs of our wives is the other part. And I think you can interpret that scripture to...
1: Probably we're, we're more, probably we're more deficient in that than we are on the provision,
0: I'd physical say, provision. Yeah, I'd say most of us are not as attuned to the emotional side, which, is, which is where we're spending most of our time in the application portion of this discussion today. Ed? Mark, I
3: know most guys don't have a problem, <laughs> <laughs> most guys don't have a problem when it comes to their parents. And when their parents need support, financial help, etc. Uh-huh. But a lot of guys chafe
0: when it's their wives' parents. Yeah. That might impact their living standards a little bit. Can you comment on that? I'm really biased on that one too. <laughs> yeah, I, I sell insurance, and so I get a chance to talk to people about provisions they'd like to make for a widow and children and I'm amazed at how many guys say she doesn't need that. She can go back to work. Uh, I don't know what it is about the male mindset. that uh, Self-centeredness. Not an appreciation for what, what reward God has given you. You really don't see her as a reward, as a treasure. Uh, and I guess bottom line is it was mentioned up here yesterday. Intellectually, we understand we're going to be held accountable for our consequences. But viscerally, we don't behave that way at all. We don't think God's going to chastise, discipline, suffer loss. We're going to suffer loss for that. But we will. Because if we really felt like we were going to suffer that loss and it was going to be painful and something that we just wanted to avoid, then we'd, we'd be more considerate, I think, about the needs for our family. And I know there, are, a lot of you guys out there, you're already taking care of that. I mean, you got a heart for it, but boy, uh, there's just a whole bunch of us that that doesn't come natural to. So.
3: That promise says that uh, you're worse than an unbeliever mm-hmm. if you disobey the command. Any thoughts on how it can be worse than an unbeliever?
0: Do you have some, Jack? Not a loaded question. Yeah. But, uh, I couldn't imagine any, what's worse than that. Yeah, well, you know, King James says uses the word infidel. <coughs> it seems pretty strong to me. Uh, I'm not sure what that looks like, although uh, you and I both have been going through revelations for the last couple of years. Um, and that's not a pretty sight. It is not a pretty sight. No. <laughs> what is it? Yeah, that's not a pretty sight either. you got to be uh, kind of sadistic to put up with it. No. Uh, <clears throat> the consequences that is described in that book uh, is just not something. You, you, when they talk about the lake of fire, guys, that's not a place you want to be. Uh, if, if any of you out there now are not sure that you're in the kingdom, You're a fool if you don't get that assurance before you leave this ranch. Uh, Because we all live forever. Everybody lives forever. It's just where you're going to live. And you don't want to be in that lake of fire. Now, do you lose your salvation? I don't think so, Jack, but loss of reward? Absolutely. I think there's going to be loss of reward if we don't provide for our families. And, And beyond that, I haven't uh, any other thoughts on that topic, Heard?
2: Two things, Mark. One, one in terms of worse than the unbeliever or the infidel. You know, there, there's all kinds of scripture which says we should encourage one another, we should edify one another. And, and what an example we're giving to the unbelieving community if we don't do that with our wife yeah. or with our <coughs> family. That, that's maybe more simplistic, perhaps, than what you were addressing. But the other thing I wanted to comment on was was in-laws, which uh, was was asked here just a moment ago. Uh, the Lord took my own parents home to be with him about 37 years ago. <laughs> and I really didn't have to, or I didn't have the opportunity to see them grow older and so forth. But instead, he gave me the opportunity to... to uh, Worked through some real difficult <clears throat> times with my my wife's folks, and uh, that that's been a real joy. And I I sure I sure think that applies to in-laws. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they
0: the
3: household.
0: Yep, <clears throat> part of that immediate household. Let's get into the putting the wheels on this thing. And guys, this Roman numeral three I think is where you can this is where you, the difference between my rate of return and Don's and Ed's. I mean, you can really get up some high numbers here if you'll invest in these areas of personal application. I really believe God honors that. You'll see rewards in your marriage that you never would have dreamed of. And these are listed. i got about uh, six items here listed, <clears throat> not necessarily in order of, of priority, but again, in conversations with my wife and the study of the Scripture, uh, just some things I felt like I wanted to share with you. And the first one is forgiving. And I guess I 'm sharing these because these things don't come easy to me i mean I 've learned these lessons i 'm learning them the hard way. Uh, don't hold a grudge. I mean I tend to be so critical uh, not only of my wife but of my kids you know I'm, I have an uncanny ability to, to see when things are wrong in other people and really point it out you know I should, I should have worked for the IRS or something you know but uh, <clears throat> don't hold a grudge. And I'll give you some scripture references on this of God's examples. I didn't put them down, but, but uh, if I forget to give you the reference, let me know. And I'll give it to you. And this one, just a singular reference, Matthew six fourteen. It's the tail end of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, admit your faults. And don't just say, I'm sorry, or I was wrong. But ask for forgiveness And really call it what it is, sin. I think our our wives and our kids need to hear us use that word. They need to hear us admit that we're sinners. And when we make that mistake, when we sin, they need to to hear our confession and asking for forgiveness. I can't tell you, and I'm sure you guys got stories out there, when you do that with your wife and with your kids, what a powerful impact it has on the relationship. I mean, God just kind of heals it. Uh, you just know it's you know it's the right thing to do, but it did not come easy. None of us like to admit that. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> no, no, Jack. <laughs> uh, not off the top of my head. No. Do you? Uh, no, I, I, I don't. I wondered about it. <clears throat>
3: Yeah. Go, and I've always been a little nervous about it. It's not a command, but i heard it. Mm-hmm. Isn't it. Isn't it if you leave your you've got a problem with your brother, go and solve it?
0: Isn't that. <clears throat> wouldn't that be a, a, a statement of that principle? That's, That's a, a great question, though. I'll
3: tell you where I picked it up was. First John one nine says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to mm-hmm. forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our action is confession; his action is forgiveness. I, I don't I've never viewed it that you have to ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. That's a promise. If we do our part and confess, I just get nervous when I'm told I have to ask for forgiveness.
0: Yeah. And keep in mind, it, these are all no. Good point. <clears throat> We're asked to forgive us our debts. <clears throat> well, forgive us our fact, trespasses. Well, I've talked about the fact that uh, we as humans forgive each other in the Lord's will, as we forgive those who trespass yeah.
3: against us. It uh, implies that we need to come to each other and for yeah. as no.
0: well as God. Good point, Tom. Huh? Yeah. Again, let me remind you, this whole section 3 here, this is all, all personal conviction. I mean, it's open for... Don't, don't just adopt this... But, but mull it over for whatever it's worth if you can apply some of it or if it stimulates you onto something else that's fine lots of questions here Mike
4: <clears throat> I think that when you uh, ask someone else for forgiveness whether it's your wife or anyone else you give them the opportunity to then air their their grievance against you and so you can really clear the air it's a lot uh, more complete than just saying uh, I'm sorry and walking away and dropping it How? Mm-hmm. I think
3: forgiveness is part of the process. Called to be reconciled to our brothers, and the process as we go and ask for forgiveness, and, and in the process we're confessing the wrong that we have done to them, and then forgiveness has to come on the other person's part, and they are the ones that decide whether they forgive or not. But that's part of the reconciliation process, and we're called to be reconciled to one another on a daily basis, not only with as, as, as spouses, and that's what's so very critical in our relationship. That
4: Okay. Relationship. Michael, the reconciliation. Um, it made me, when Jack asked that question, I thought of this verse. And it's a general command, but I think we can apply it to marriages. It says, "And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God and Christ also has forgiven you." So, if we're supposed to be forgiving each other, we must be asking for forgiveness.
0: It's a great topic. I may have you down on Tuesday mornings on that one. <laughs> That'd be a good one. <coughs> I think maybe the... the uh, Jack,
1: your question, and probably you might have come to this conclusion too, that, that when David says
0: that against thee and only thee have I sinned, that our forgiveness comes from God, and that when we have a problem with someone else, it is a problem with God directly. So the forgiveness of each other becomes maybe the working out of that, but almost always when we deal with sin, we deal this way. Lead me right into point B. Sacrifice. Again, Ephesians 5:25. 25. Uh, We've got to put our wives' interests above our own. That calls for us to submit. <clears throat> really, we really need to submit to our wives in terms of their desires. Remember, a lot of us have been told uh, when it comes to your kids and they ask you to do something, say yes as often as you can because when you have to say no you want it to be on something that's really really a solid principle i think the same applies to our wives. you know let's say yes to to their desires as much as we can and i got to tell you guys that didn't come easy to me i'll give you a real specific illustration none of you can probably relate to this have any of you guys ever expected sex on demand I'm the only one, huh? Oh, come on, TJ. Come on. You well, know, uh, Some of us, I've been so bold as to say, you know, darling, it says in the Scripture, don't withhold yourself. Yes. Don't do that. It doesn't help. It does not work. And TJ brought it up before. If you've got a problem, that your hormones are flowing and you're not getting your sexual needs met. The problem is not with your wife. It's not on the horizontal. The problem is on the vertical. And you need to take that to the Lord and say, Lord, look, you obviously don't understand how I'm feeling at the moment. And I don't think you're meeting my needs through my wife sexually. Now, what are you going to do about it? That's a good place to start, and then stand back.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> but in, until, I, and it took me years and years, and I still, I still don't have this under control. But I do know that when I start recognizing, when I start dropping those hints to my wife, and you know, and when I'm pushing it too far. I back away and I take it to the vertical. Say, Lord, uh, you got to help me with this because I, I don't want to, I don't want to abuse the relationship. I don't want to be insensitive. uh, And you know, I don't know if that ever gets resolved. I don't know. But but I do get. There are times when I do get peace on that issue. But one thing I'm sure of, it doesn't help to keep nagging at the vertical on that horizontal relationship. It just doesn't work.
3: Yeah. Somewhere along the line does it not take you and your wife to discuss that and attempt to resolve that between yourselves because if you only take it to the Lord and you don't communicate with her in a fashion that, that lets her know your needs, I think you're setting yourself up for problems. I mean, it's got to be both ways. I agree with you that you have to go to the Lord, but you also have to be able to communicate with her. And I think that's why we laugh about the scripture you just talked about, but it does say, don't deny each other. Your duty to one another. And I don't think Paul was saying wives roll over when he wants you to. Um, and I've had some clients come to me where, frankly, the woman says she's got this problem because he doesn't have any sexual drive, mm-hmm. And she doesn't know how to handle that. I think we have to learn how to communicate that with each other. I and mean, if we can't, we need to go to somebody, whether it's a pastor or somebody trained, to help us deal with that issue because sexuality is very important in our marriage. Yeah. I think we're fools if we deny that. <clears throat>
0: I think it's a great point, Hal. I, I will tell you this. I've experienced more pleasure out of pursuing some of these other other items down here. Uh, and in turn, my wife has become more romantic because of some of these other items. And mm-hmm. then just, you know, dear, I really once in a while need <clears throat> something. And uh, <laughs> item number C. But well, she can
3: communicate with you. when Mark, here's
0: yeah. he makes me yeah. more romantic. Which yeah. when you're, uh, exactly. Yeah, good point. Communication, which is point number C. Intimacy. <clears throat> We're going to have to take the short form on all this. I'm sorry. Uh, on the sacrifice, Ephesians 5.25 Communications. <clears throat> I may be stretching this, but 1 Thessalonians 5 16, 17, and 18. I see the commandment there. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks uh, to our Lord in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> uh, you, you got to let her what's know what's going on in your life, but just some some things that I've learned the hard way. Find out about what's going on in her life first. You know, be sensitive to her, and. No IRS agents in the room, right? If, this is just a little tip. and This is just may not apply to you. If you've got a cellular phone, I'm 12 minutes from the office to the house. And something that really helps is when I pull out of that parking garage and head home, punch in the number and say, Sweetheart, how are you doing? What's going on? From then on, it's automatic pilot the rest of the way home. I'm listening. And by the time I get home, I know what I'm walking into. And she's had a chance to vent it, just you know, just a little personal thing there. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know about if you can deduct that airtime or not, but, uh, but it, <laughs> for whatever it's worth, uh, yeah, Herb, <laughs> uh, just let her talk. Let her know what's going on. Uh, we were at a <clears throat> Music Evangelism Foundation conference a few years ago. Howie Hendricks was speaking. And he was talking about the priorities in your life and the most important people in your life. And then he said, Men, if you want to show your wife how important she is to you, let her look at your daytimer. Is her name in your daytimer? And about that time, I felt a sharp jab in my ribs. And I knew I was in trouble. Because if she looked at my daytimer, I mean, she was not the main, main agenda in there. I got to tell you. I put that down. My wife and my kids get in my day timer. You got to make time for them. Uh, and you got to communicate that to them. On the subject of intimacy, uh, to a woman, there's a correlation between intimacy and the amount of time you spend with them. And to a man, it's sex, you know, sex, intimacy, same thing. Uh, you you gotta spend lots of time with them guys. Lots of time. You know? Listening. Listening. Date night. I don't know if you do date nights. It's a great idea. You know. A lot of guys date their kids, they forget to date their wives. I have a problem with my wife. I want to date her, but she always wants to bring one of the kids along. You know? But once we get out and there's just the two of us alone, we have a great time. Intimacy. And it's amazing what that can lead to. And I give thanks on the vertical. so I got that right (laughs) respect we got to move respect Proverbs 31 woman if you got a wife that chooses to stay at home and be with the kids and invest in them she's fighting a real battle because most of her friends most assuredly are out there in the workplace got title they got position you know power and she's thinking I'm here with the vomit and the dirty diapers and the you know the dishwasher and uh, this isn't too glamorous. And you gotta let her know that how important she is and the investment she's making in that family. Take it a step beyond that though. <clears throat> Communicate it to the kids. Make sure your kids know how proud you are of their mother and what she's doing. You might want to take it a step further than that. If you're controlling the checkbook, does she have some discretionary money? She got some money that she didn't have to ask you, can I spend this? How about when it comes to giving? And I know many of us, we try to make those giving decisions mutually with our spouses. But does she have the liberty, the freedom to give money without coming to you and asking? My wife the other day got a call from her alumni association. And she gave me sum of money. and I was so proud of that, you know. She says, I hope you wouldn't mind. That's great. I'm glad you can do that, you know. You got to give them that freedom. You got to let them know that you respect their opinion. So, <clears throat> two more quick ones. Protect. Uh, go back to First Samuel, chapter thirty, and read about David's victory <clears throat> over the Amalekites. David was out on some kind of a fishing trip or something, and the Amalekites came through and captured both of his wives, kidnapped him. So he prayed to God, and God says, "Go get him, bring him back." Uh, <clears throat> guys. This has been on my heart. Be careful. Watch where you allow your wives to go. Watch where you expect them to go. You expect them to go over to Safeway at 9 o'clock at night and be out in that parking lot? I'd suggest to you, get off your butt and go with them. Protect them. It's a tough place out there. We've got to protect them. It's not getting any easier. Respect comes into that respect and cherishing them and being a good steward of the reward that God has given you. Let's not be sending our wives out there to where they could be subject to assault and rape. Uh, I know there's no guarantee against that, but I'd submit to you that many of us are not given that much conscious thought about where we let our wives go or where we expect them to go because we're too tired to go to the grocery store uh, after we get home from work. Prayer. Final item here. Prayer. Prayer. Matthew eighteen and twenty, wherever two or more gathered in my name, do you pray with your wife? I know that's not always easy. Do you pray without her? You you really need to really need to look at that issue, and I know it's a tough one. But again, I think these are just all personal applications, but they'll make the difference in that that compound interest rate that'll really multiply. And all of us are either going to be investing or withdrawing from that relationship. And it takes character, guys. It takes character. You get all pumped up about what you hear up here at the ranch. You say, boy, when I get home, I'm going to do this or that. I heard a definition of character the other day I really liked. It says character is the ability to carry out a worthy decision after the emotion of making that decision has passed. And I encourage you, if it's on your heart that this is something I've got to do, there's going to be a million agenda items come over and want to take its place. Have the character to see it out. Character is the ability to carry out a worthy decision after the emotion of making that decision has passed. Thanks for your time, guys. <laughs>